Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a little more cool history about zip codes. We'll talk about hyphens with words such as re-enter, and we'll talk about the word bougie. Last week, we talked about how to write zip codes, and I included some history mentioning that they were first introduced in the United States in 1963, which is true, but two people wrote in to tell me about earlier codes called postal zones that were introduced in 1943. Barbara Hughes from Vancouver, Washington, gave this example from her childhood. She wrote, quote, Prior to zip codes, the postal zone for East Cleveland was 12, and we wrote our address like this, East Cleveland, 12, Ohio. The neighboring town was Cleveland Heights, and that address was Cleveland Heights, 21, Ohio. I presume that these evolved into zip codes. Addresses were written as city, postal zone, state. When zip codes were introduced, the numbers designated a large area to progressively more focused local areas. Northeast Ohio was designated as 441. So therefore, the zip codes for East Cleveland and Cleveland Heights became 44112 and 44121, respectively. The zip codes inherited the existing postal zone system already in place. Not only that, addresses were now supposed to be written as city, state, zip code. The zip code was supposed to be the very last item in the address, not sandwiched between the city and state anymore. And Sue Hatfield-Green wrote in with a similar story about Delwood, Missouri. She said its postal zone was 36, and it would be written as Delwood 36, Missouri. And then, after the introduction of zip codes, it became 63136, and the code moved from the middle of the address to the end. Fascinating! And if you're wondering why postal zones were introduced in the first place in 1943, the Smithsonian National Postal Museum says it was all because of World War II. Not only were people sending more mail, but the post office was hiring a lot of new and inexperienced workers to replace all those who'd gone to fight the war. And the numerical city codes made it easier for all those new people to keep up and sort the mail quickly. The postal zones weren't everywhere, but they were widespread and were adopted without much resistance, I suppose because everyone wanted to support the war effort in whatever way they could. But the postal zones weren't as widespread as zip codes are today. The Smithsonian says postal zones were used in only 124 of the country's largest urban areas. 
And since the zip codes did evolve from postal zones, I think that explains why ZIP stands for Zone Improvement Plan, which is something I couldn't find before. The two-digit postal zone number specified a small region, like a town. But with the new five-digit zip code, the sorter could start with the first number, which represents a group of states, go to the second two numbers, which represent a smaller area in that region, and then go to the small region like the town. The new number was an improvement on the postal zone, or a zone improvement plan, a zip code. Thank you, Sue and Barbara, for sending me that interesting additional information. Last week, our editor at Quick and Dirty Tips had a question about hyphens as she was working on a post about the anxiety people may feel when they re-enter society after the quarantine. She found that online dictionaries list both versions as correct, re-enter with a hyphen and re-enter without a hyphen, and she wanted to know which one I prefer. Since I thought some of you might be facing the same question as you're writing these days, I'll share my thoughts. Even though the trend these days is to use fewer hyphens, I like the hyphenated version when you encounter a double vowel, like those two E's back-to-back in re-enter, because I find those words easier to read with a hyphen. And this is a case where you should definitely check your style guide if you're required to follow one. For example, you should leave out the hyphen if you follow AP style or Chicago style. It isn't often that I disagree with both these style guides, but in this case, I do. So although AP style and Chicago style are re-enter without a hyphen, Quick and Dirty Tips house style is now re-enter with a hyphen. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today.
When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. A listener recently wrote in to ask about the word bougie. He'd heard it being used to mean something elevated or high class, but he thought it came from the word bourgeois, meaning middle class. He is right on both counts. Here's what we found. First of all, bougie is indeed a slang form of bourgeois. The more formal word dates back to the 1600s and was probably used even before that. Its root word, in turn, is bourge, meaning a town or large village. That word was derived from the Latin borgusa, meaning a castle or a fortified town. Thus, in medieval France, the term bourgeois meant a citizen or freeman who lived in a town as opposed to the countryside. These so-called freemen were part of the peasant class. They were often poor farmers who owned small plots of land and had basic civil rights. According to the feudal class system of the time, free men fell way below the nobility. The lords and ladies who owned land lived in fancy manor houses and looked after the villages. Yet free men fell way above slaves and serfs. Slaves were people who were bought and sold like common goods. Serfs fared a little better, they couldn't own land, they couldn't marry or even leave the village without their lord's consent, and they spent their days working the land owned by their lord. They were paid subsistence wages at best. Thus, free men literally made up a middle class that fell between the nobility on one side and serfs and slaves on the other. Over time, bourgeois came to mean anyone in the middle class in any country, not just France. Over yet more time, it came to refer to anyone who held what were considered middle-class values. The Oxford English Dictionary lists these as selfish materialism, conventional respectability, and lack of imagination. Youch. The term became even more pointed in the 18th century when Marxists came along. They saw the bourgeois as being in direct conflict with proletarians or the working class people. The bourgeois were thought to be preoccupied with materialism and possessions, and thus supporters of capitalism. In the 1960s, the short form of bourgeois, bougie, came into use. It was used derisively to mean someone with aspirations above their station, people who were overreaching, striving for a level of respectability they didn't have. Today, it can mean any number of things. It can mean fancy, pretentious, label-conscious, overly hipsterish, money-obsessed, or even nouveau riche. It retains an overarching sense of people who think they're high class but really aren't. An example from the venerable Urban Dictionary is someone wearing designer clothes and glasses while sorting through their coupons at Target. Kids these days would call that bougie. So while bourgeois originally did simply mean middle class, today it has a much more negative connotation. 
That segment was written by Samantha Anslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her online at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Finally today, I have a word story from Megan from Boston. It turns out this isn't a word used just by her family, so it's not a familect. It was much more widespread in the Irish community, but it's still a good story. Hi, Mignon. This is Megan from Boston. I thought I'd call in with a familex story, which I might not have otherwise been bothered to tell, but I've been inspired to share because of both our country's current situation and to continue a bit with the theme of last week's story regarding the ragman. My story is also from a bygone era, that of the Depression, but yet reveals conditions sadly similar to what many in our country are facing today. My mother and her two sisters grew up in New York, raised by their parents who had emigrated from Ireland. It was during the Depression, and my mother used to describe the way her mother would be so resourceful with little scraps of food, like often saving the little scraps of vegetable leftovers all week long and making a soup from them every Saturday. Anyway, my mother told me that my grandmother would remain cheerful through those difficult times and promised the kids that if they did all of their chores and finished all of their homework, they would get something called goody on Saturday nights. Goody turned out to be a piece of bread with milk poured over it. But I guess in those conditions, it was a bit of a treat. And my grandmother was obviously using a euphemism to bring a bit of happiness to her children through those dark days. And let me tell you, my mother and her sisters would knock themselves out on their chores and homework in order to get goody. I thought of this story and thought it could be relevant today, watching so many families struggle to put food on their tables while keeping their children sheltered from the graveness of their situation. And it also just makes us appreciate the simple things in life. Thanks, Grandma Girl. Big fan. If you'd like to share your family act story, you can leave a voicemail like Megan did at 83-321-4-GIRL, and you might hear it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at the home of my network, quickanddirtytips.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl, and on Instagram as The Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sims. And that's all. Thanks for listening. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.